Hello and welcome to 361, a weekly podcast about mobile tech and everything around it. My name's Ben Smith. I'm Rafe Blanford. And I'm Ewan McLeod. This is Season 11, Episode 1, and this week we're talking about... Mobile travels from Beijing to Dar es Salaam. And we're introducing this season's challenge, a competition to create the smartest home. back chaps good to see you Woo-hoo. we are back yep as after our 11th season ready sli- to roll slightly longer break than usual but i say that at the beginning of every season and it's always i think that was part of the course wasn't it just two years away from being teenagers yeah that's true it has been a little while but it's good to see you again no likewise nice to be back always our hosts digital lbi thank you very much for their support we're back recording in their glamorous facilities well what did you do while you what did you do in the holidays <laughs> it was a lovely time Stand and we the went front, to the beach tell us, yeah. and um I got this kite. You went, you got a kite? No, I'm just saying, I'm trying to think of... You know, Fair school. enough. We've been travelling. All of us have touched different corners of the globe. Three continents. We have, that's, that's right. right. Well, four probably if you count Europe. You should count Europe. Yeah. 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 Uh, right, so where, where have you been? Oh, I went to America. Uh, where did you go? Oh, I was in uh, China, darling. And I went to Africa. Any other excitement whilst we've been away? I've moved house. Moved house? Have you? Yes. Blimey, you sold up the Blanford estate. Well... As I have perhaps suggested a few times, the Blanford estate is more in your mind than in reality. He says that and then shows you the picture of the flooding. You go, that's a lake. Yeah. <laughs> that's the lake. And the, the, the Blanford estate is, of course, still occupied by my parents. I merely visited. Ah, uh, now we've come to the truth. You see, the Blanford estate is, is probably mm. in trust. It's inherited and therefore can't be disposed so, of. Who are you in Downton Abbey then? You're the, you're the oh, guy. Don't, don't ask yeah. him to comment on shows on commercial television. I'm, I'm, the, adverts. I'm, the, I'm the bloke that died in, on the Titanic. Oh, you, Rafe, you heard it here first. Rafe Blanford is Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> I'll never let you go. Very, very well disguised. Sorry, Rafe. Oh, so you've moved house. You've moved house. So you have a pied de terre. And he's got in, London, London house. In London. House London. Yes. In E1. It's less glamorous when I say it's in Shadwell, but it's very nice. Very no, nice. you say that. You very, say that. But very pleased. The size of it. Actually, there are people redrawing those pictures of the London skyline now so they can plot Rafe's house in. You know, there's the Tower of London. He's gone into the beach. The did you hear that? At least put a pool in the basement. Well, are you getting the pool in? A pool in the basement? Are you actually doing that? It's on the, on the second floor. That's going to be upsetting for your downstairs neighbours if you have a basement pool, isn't it? <laughs> have you got a concierge? No. no. Have you really? Come on. No. I don't believe you're just walking into some door. I know the story. You're so, Sorry, we were talking about this earlier and I've just re- remembered the story. So I read a thing in the papers the other week about in West London, because people can't move home because of house prices are so high, they dig out underneath their homes mm-hmm. and make massive basements that That's are right. huge almost cinema rooms. and cinema rooms and things but when they've dug out those basements they use those little mini diggers to do it it's so deep it's too expensive to bring the digger out so they just mm. bury it under the ground and all these houses have these tiny little mini diggers well, that's, I just ground. presumed that that's what Blanford would be like. I see yeah I just presumed you were moving into the shard that they'd constructed it specifically for you now, it, yeah, now it's ready for residential occupation you've moved in have you got the whole second floor just that, that was too long to walk to work that's true actually and the, and the, the riffraff in the Mandarin Oriental would have completely ruined the ambience as well wouldn't they <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, you have a out anything exciting uh no fair enough no one just work so carry on just work fair enough how about you ben my little boy started crawling around since we had the last season so Uh, many many of my wires are now slightly more chewed mm -hmm. i don't quite understand why it is it's a different stage now it's really exciting but you can now say goodbye to relaxing i don't generally endorse 
BuzzFeed because I don't think it's a thing worthy of endorsement, but I did get a, a, a witty article sent to me by a friend during the week that said what babies really want for Christmas, and it was this sort of BuzzFeed listicle, and item, oh, one. item one was yeah. all of your wires, and item two was <laughs> that phone and your glasses. And that's the, true. I think you should probably deal with your stress in a different way than chewing your wires. N- no, this is true. I have tried to discourage him from that, but he's absolutely fixated on Oh, it's he that's chewing, not you. I no. thought it was you that was chewing the wires. <laughs> no, no, I just sit in the corner and drink myself into a stupor. So, so are you, are you more tired than normal men? We're, we're, we're weary, but he's, he's, yeah. he's in good form. He's a, he's a very happy little chap, which is, which is nice, but he's very mobile now, and he has teeth. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it's been a fun time. Right, so you need to fast-forward now for two and a half years, exactly. and then you can leave them to... Exactly. Anyways, enough personal stuff. Let's talk about it. Well, since we were away, mm. and we've all been travelling, we thought, well, that is a thing that we should talk about. And you, McLeod, let's talk about you first. You went to China. I went to Beijing. I was uh, oh, speaking fancy. at uh, Connections Luxury, which is the, um, the series of events where I do a talk about technology. If memory serves on the, the few that I've attended, you've normally just spent the time telling the participants that their views are wrong about technology. Well, yeah, yeah typically that's, that's the, the, the model. They, they actually ask me to be as... So just I'll, like listening to the podcast then. Uh, <laughs> you were cloud available for hire, we'll tell you you're wrong. <laughs> well, you, usually the request is, can you be as abrasive as possible? You can really challenge these... For, for, fortunately, that's a core skill on the CV, isn't it? <laughs> this is luxury industry, people, and um, uh, in the hotels and airlines. And my job is to go along and talk about uh, the technology, what I see changing that, that would be relevant to them. And when, the, when they question you, do you scream apologist at them? No, no. It saves that for you, Rafe. Oh, okay. yeah. It's nice to know. <laughs> Don't you feel special? Yeah, I see, yeah. Season I nine, I think that was the was that apologist okay. episode yeah it's worth seared into my memory worth a, worth a listen if you haven't so I, w- I was there for the week actually in Beijing so first of all what did you say to them about mobile tech what kind of things were you were you well, suggesting so part, part of what I've got to do is a little bit of future gazing and yep. just challenge their mindset so I was talking about injectables instead of wearables oh. yeah um, because what they're looking at is that oh, a thing yeah yes. it is oh yeah. yeah it is a thing yeah because this industry is focused on making sure that the the experience for high-end luxury is as seamless as possible. Yeah. So when, when I stand up and say, you say you're luxury, but I have to do a, a mathematics test every time I want to get some laundry done. And you watch the whole room slapping their, their foreheads going, oh, he's got a point. You mean you have to add up how many socks you want washed? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. And, and um, I did that recently at a luxury hotel. It's 500 euro a night, I should point <gasps> out, right? And... They sent me the form back with my laundry cleaned, yes. right? But the form came back correcting my mathematics because I <laughs> got it wrong. Now, when I put that up on screen and showed these guys, because that's not necessarily a technology view, but what I was talking about was, listen, you need to think about the technology experience or the experience that can be fixed with technology. And that's a Now, example. you see, I can solve that problem for you as well. Mm-hmm. Which is stay in a travel lodge for £60 a night and mm-hmm. no one will give a monkeys about your underwear. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, right. so I was in Beijing, and no, that was fascinating because I went, I went in 2012. Yeah. So tell us about mobile in Beijing because yeah. actually I was there in 2008, so I'm really right. interested to hear how the how so things have changed. So in 2008, I remember that what you were. Well, you, let's hear your view in a moment because yeah. I in 2012 I went and did a, a similar speech. And really, I, w- I was talking to them about stuff they, they didn't really know about. You know, it was like, you know, these smartphones and, and uh, yeah. it's, it's really cool and there's apps and things. And I could see most of them, the audience going, oh, well, right. And, and I was having to educate them. But I, I, re- I knew three years on, that was absolutely the wrong thing to be doing in China now because it's completely changed. So in 2012, I was lucky if I saw what you would term as a smartphone, a Nokia or, or anything like that. It was really dumb phone city. Everyone had a phone, but the dumb phones. N95s, you know. 
Oh, well, don't say that. Blanford will Lumi- just Lumius. rip an arm off. He's not rising <laughs> to the challenge at the moment, is he? <laughs> he's, he's being silent. Uh, but now, this time, I, mean, I took a, a ride in a rickshaw. You know, one of these kind of things a guy pedals. I know what a rickshaw is. Right, yeah. I've, seen, um, I've seen them. Very, very nice. And uh, we went, like, part of the deal was all these people had to get taken around. And I, I sat there and watched with awe as the rickshaw driver was taking a photo of us with his top-of-the-range Android handset. And I mean... I have some questions about why anybody who doesn't know you would want to take a picture of you. Well, this focus just looking at silly foreigner. I think he was uh, taking a picture of me, tell his friends, to put on WeChat. Every single person I met was on WeChat. WeChat was everywhere, from the receptionist to the guy serving food. Everyone was on WeChat. And, like, I'm not on WeChat. Right. So what is um, it? What, so as far, I think the, the quickest thing for anyone who doesn't know what WeChat is, is it's like WhatsApp, group messaging. Okay, and, um, if, and if, if anybody on this podcast... Well, that's to this the podcast. underpinning concept, or the original concept, and then they've basically put it on all number of steroids, right? Because it's phenomenal what WeChat does. It's a platform in itself now. Hang on, can I just pause you while I get the, the Rafe Blanfordipedia answer? Rafe Blanford. So WeChat is really messaging as a platform taken to its fullest extent. It's the idea that you quite correctly says messaging at its core, but the ability to pay for things, e-commerce and service interactions that you traditionally associate with an app happen within the WeChat environment. And in China, it's nearly universally used. It's 700 million daily active users. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Rafe Blanford is supported by your charitable donations. <laughs> in order to keep Rafe Blanford <laughs> operating, please send $5. Yeah. You know, I, I saw this so three years ago. There was nothing. There were just dumb phones. Yeah. And now everyone had a smartphone. The, the rickshaw guy had one of those, I want to say one-on-one, but it wasn't a one-on-one handset it was a really a high end it looked it was a big handset it looked good the megapixel camera that i could see it looked good i think it had a 20 maybe it was a fake but it's a 20 number on it so when we did the hundred dollar phone challenge and i bought mine from aliexpress there you go. i chose lenovo because i knew that brand but right. there were shed loads of chinese brands that were available for way less what kind of brands are we talking about rafe I, I remember a few but they were the ones that were typically kind of also in western markets you are going to get the big ones in western markets which are huawei and xiaomi which are probably amongst the biggest in terms of shipments in china now but there's a whole what i call a second and third tier which is what would regard as no name manufacturers but it's just these off-the-shelf components which now for 200 dollars or so you can get a very capable kind of phablet type device yeah. and yeah. down from there i think the, the rickshaw chap he was um you know he, he, he had the top of the range handset he's wechatting as he's cycling i was trying to take a video from doing it fascinating when i made an inquiry at the front desk the guy's wechatting his colleague the whole hotel's run on wechat they all, so, they all so have what do you mean by that? The hotel teams, they all have different groups. So the uh, you know, people changing the rooms are on one WeChat group. And so you, obviously you like... So start... you can even WeChat the hotel. Ah, so that's my question. So so we're in the 361 group and yeah. I could WhatsApp you or I could Slack mm-hmm. message you or even text you, but that's not official. Like, could you as a customer of that hotel say, uh, hey, it's Ewan from room five. Please, can you send up those DVDs I've been asking you about? Yes. Yes, now, um, the particular hotel I was at, they haven't deployed that yet. They're about to, because they've got to connect into their food and beverage systems and so on, but oh, wow. they're, they're working on it. So this is the interesting thing about WeChat. There's actually two main ways it operates. One is in what 
could almost be regarded as a chatbot. So it operates within the chat window. So you'll you know, go through a service menu, you'll type one to get the menu up, and then it'll give you a list of options. And the hotel could actually configure a whole bunch of kind of canned responses and that sort of thing. Uh, absolutely. Okay. And you can be quite sophisticated about it. You, know, you can use that to book a taxi or buy airline tickets. The second part of it is effectively it's what they call the custom menu. And from a, a menu that can be configured by the user account, you can then drop into what's actually uh, an HTML5 site, but it's a browser that's yeah. built into WeChat that then gives they you kind of, a, kind of effectively mini apps built on top of WeChat. But the really important thing about it is it uses WeChat APIs to enable commerce and payments that are linked into the kind of 10 cent more than some of those other Chinese services. Let me finish my China bit by telling you that I chatted to one lady and she's saying, oh, I, I just don't feel technology is moving fast enough. And I said, well, okay, hold on a minute. What was your handset five generations ago? She had to five sit, generations She ago. had to sit and think. It was a Nokia N95. Oh, I think you were like my, my great, great, great grandfather. No. <laughs> right. So it was, I mean, roughly five or six years. I've already done an N95 joke. I feel like we've missed an opportunity <laughs> to be rude. <really laughs> she, she, she went from the N95 to an iPhone 4, blah, 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 all the way through to an iPhone 6S. And right now, she's tied that directly into her banking. So WeChat you know, processes banking payments on her behalf. All of them, are, you know, everyone, well, not everyone, a lot of people in China are using WeChat now to send money back and forward now. Fascinating, the pace of change there in China. And when you pointed that out to her, did she concede that that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. she's got a point. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I think I might have some trust issues about taking a WhatsApp, for example, which I suppose would be the one I'm most familiar with and saying, I'll give you my bank details so I can pay, pay you know. Well, it's just like PayPal, right? Yeah, I'm not sure I trust them either. Yeah, but it, I mean, Facebook Messenger will be where we see this happen in yeah. the West. And actually, right. they've already started doing payments and, you know, they've just introduced M in terms of kind of have a, an AI that, that helps you out. But I think the thing that's so interesting about China is the pace at which this change has happened. And to put some stats on it, in 2011 or sort of 2012, smartphone penetration was about 10%. Now in 2015, we're talking about figures of approaching 80%. That's ridiculous. Which is just a really, really quick changeover. In that same time, you know, the UK has gone from sort of 30 to about 70%. So it's just actually the pace at which that has happened. Mm. And we have to remember that China is a population 1.2 billion people. So we are talking about hundreds of millions of devices. So the scale that it supports is just unprecedented. And that's, that's important exclusive news we're bringing to you from 361 Podcast, that there are a lot of people that live in China. If you didn't know that, now, you there do you go. now. There Thanks. you go. Thanks, so ben. Midwest, tell us about the Midwest. Before we do the Midwest, okay. I think we should share some information about this season's challenge. Mm. I'm going to talk about America in a minute, but a season or two ago, we did the $100 phone challenge. Do you remember who won that? I think I won it. I think I did. No, I think I actually won it. I'm pretty sure I did, actually, but (laughs) I I honestly haven't gone back and listened. No, but I I won it by bringing out my $100 phone. You you won it by cheating. disqualified. (laughs) So this season, Rafe Blanford, what are we going to do for this season's challenge? We are going to have a challenge to see who can have the smartest home. You mean like nicely painted? Um, well, I imagine that will be part of the judging criteria, but a rather minor consideration. Rafe Blanford's family murals uh, is on, on, on tapestries that are a thousand years old. I'm really going to stretch us you in this year. So go on, Rafe, explain to us the rules. Hey, well, hold on a minute, because this is where last time we were talking about this, and it was very simple. We just said, dear listener, it's a $100 phone challenge, thereabouts. So I went out and I bought a $150 handset, right? Because I thought it was just thereabouts. You, you didn't. Know? You bought a handset that one day would be $150. Or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> whatever. Okay, because I, I just wanted to book a low-end Android handset. And then all of a sudden, the rules arrived in. 
Ah. All right, so we're going to be really clear here okay. that it's the smartest home from an automation standpoint or, or technology standpoint. Okay, right? so we're talking about home automation, smart um, home. Smart home. Yep. So we're going to choose, we're going to buy, we're going to compete, we're going to compare notes, and then... I'm going to have the smartest home. At the end of the season, we're going to compare notes, and we'll also open it up to the listeners to vote to see who they think has the smartest home. Right, but so he's just changed it already. No, it's not a listener vote. No, 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 not... We, we, we'll, we'll ask, ask we'll, their we'll opinion. We'll ask their opinion, but... And they're not paying attention to it. The three of us will decide in the classic Top Gear challenge style Right. But... What I wanted to say was just before we move on, because we'll, we'll talk more about this next episode when we've actually kicked things off, what type of smart home stuff have you already got in your home, Ewan? Uh, I don't... Uh, I think I, this is why I'm really pleased that we're doing this, because I don't have any. I don't think... that Just, just remind me, prompt me, have I got anything? I've got Sonos. Oh, yes. Oh, I've got Sonos. Okay. Yeah, I'm thinking about lights and power thingies and but, security. And, and that all counts, but I think because we're going to do smart home, mm. it's everything okay, that's yes. like connected so that's devices. Right. I've got Sonos, that's a good point, okay. Right. Well, I've got a smart electricity meter oh, that's that, good. that right, lets yeah. me connect wirelessly to it and read the power consumption off it in real time. That actually was fitted by my electric company last year. Uh, uh, what, what is it? Where did you get What does it connect to? What uh, platform is it on? It uses Zigbee, which is, oh, a, yeah. which is a wireless standard. Mm-hmm. And actually, the little black box that I have does nothing except connect to the internet. And then I view a web page from my, oh, from my provider that shows me a live real-time graph. And it's interesting because I think I talked about this last season. The billing data is all sent over a 3G network from that's the right, meter right, yeah. completely separately. So it's yeah. two networks doing the same job for different reasons. But actually, it has been really interesting that I can turn the kettle on and see the usage spike up straight away on a web page. makes me feel like I'm living in the future. Rafe, you've just moved home, so you might be excused for not... You, did you bring any smart home kit with you? Well, I've got an entry phone system, which is probably about as far as I can get. When you say you have an entry phone, this is the built into the apartment block. Yes. And his name is Alfred. <laughs> You, you rang me, Lord. Yes, sir. <laughs> no, in this Blanford case, it is just residence. a phone sitting on the wall, but it should be comfortable. It's, it's, it's the man that takes it off the wall and brings it to you. Here's the problem. Okay, I don't so, know where this comes from. So we're going to research, buy, install, and test out some smart yes. home stuff, and we're going to do it in our respective homes, and we're going to see who gets the best thing. Yeah, but it's, it's totally subjective, but I think, obviously, I will win. I think the great thing about best is that I'm really looking forward to finding out what actually works, because I'm going to ask you perhaps to make a little video or something of you using it, because last time when you went, oh, yes, I bought this $100 Android phone, and I love using it every single day, I'm thinking. I was, I think one of, the, one of the important discriminators is going to be that everyone in the household should be able to use the smarter home. Well, what, including the children? Let, let's, yes. hold, let's hold, Come on. Let's hold yes. the scope creep until episode yeah, three. Exactly. And this, he's this, absolutely this, this, Listeners, you can see the scope creep is coming all over. It, okay. By episode five of <laughs> Balloon. That's this season's challenge, the smartest home And, and can you please tweet us any ideas you've got, any really good technology? I've been looking at the Canary. Oh, yeah. On Amazon. I was on Amazon last night thinking, oh, I wish I'd buy that. So I'd really like some suggestions from the listeners. What have you got? What works well? Yeah. What haven't you How got? How can you help? What me haven't you got us? and you want us to try? Yeah, get to the best stuff. Okay, back to this week's theme of travel. I was in the Midwest. I was in, I was just outside Chicago, actually, visiting some family. Which was, was it snowy? Jolly nice. Not yet. That's, that's all I know about the Midwest. So as we record this, it's mid November. It'll go out slightly later. It'll go it, out a few weeks. In hence. the movies, if they say Midwest, that means you, you, you live a parker on, you know, so, and it's usually called. So I was slightly sarcastic about the drive through bank in the town where I was. So we, we were at 60 miles outside Chicago, and I did say, oh, you know, how lazy to have a drive through bank. Mm. And our hosts turned to me and said, 
When there's 15 foot of snow on the ground outside and it's minus whatever, you don't want to get out of your car to go to the ATM. I thought, oh, yeah, just just, just because it's a balmy 22 degrees Celsius, or I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but, you know, because it was comfortable. So, no, snow snow comes down all through November. So, you know, any time now. But I was there and I was roaming and I was using three like home Uh roaming for free, which was really brilliant. And it made me realise, because it's a trip we've done a bunch of times, the first time we did it, I would drive somewhere, find the McDonald's, use the free yeah. Wi-Fi, look up where we wanted Get to go. Get your emails. Yeah. Well, it wasn't even emails. It was like, you know, we agreed to meet these people in this place. Put up Google Maps, find it, mm. you know, and, and because you've learned to be reliant on Google Maps, but you haven't learned necessarily to plan ahead mm. to, like, look it up. You don't need to do that normally. No. And similarly, we're in town. Oh, um, we just remembered that we've forgotten something for the baby. Mm. So let's go to Walmart and go and buy some, you know, diaper cream, as I learned to call it. And, uh, you know, oh, where's Walmart and how do I get there? <sighs> You know, it's strange how much you feel like you've gone back 20 years just by not having access to the smart or right, having smartphone. access, but it's six quid a me. Well, and actually, yeah. for me, that's not having access because yeah, exactly. when, when back in the back in the past when I've done business travel, we maybe had like a, a corporate deal that meant I could use it a bit and mm. it was okay and it was justified because it was for business. But this was a holiday, mm. and six quid a meg means fewer beers, and that makes me very sad. Fewer steaks and beers. It was really brilliant. The roaming data was absolutely great. What I didn't like, though, was how slow the roaming data is. And it's because, of course, all the data Mm. still goes back to the UK, back down a pipe. It felt like it was quite throttled. I actually never managed to successfully do any speed tests that I could get consistent results out of. But it was very slow. And it made me think of two things. One is I'm really looking forward to what they call local breakout, which is when you're roaming, the data doesn't go back to your home country it goes to, like, I was in the States, so I was on AT&T. It goes to AT&T, and AT&T say, do you want the internet? I'll put it on the internet for you. Mm. And it, they don't send it back to three in the UK to then come all the way back to America, probably where the server is that I'm accessing. So that was really good. And the other thing while I was over there was the EU announced that they were banning roaming charges from 2017. Effectively, you know, we will be able to roam between European countries using services without paying what feel, still today feel like fairly punitive charges. Yeah. It's getting better. There are tariffs that roll things in, but you still need to be on a relatively sort of high cost tariff to begin with to get those kind of benefits. Yeah, I mean, for example, O2 and a couple of others have kind of, or Vodafone Passport, £3 a day, which sounds like actually quite a good deal. But if you're working overseas for you know, a month, that's going to be 90 quid for data, which, but, given that you're paying maybe 10, 15 pounds a month in the UK, starts to feel a bit much. Well, even if I go on a family holiday for five days and I pay three pounds every day for data, I've still probably paid in one week what I would have paid for a whole month's worth of service in times the UK. Times two for yeah. your partner. And times two for my or three times partner. four for your children. Well, and actually, and like many people, we brought an iPad with us mm-hmm. and, and our, iPad, sims, yeah. our iPad has a SIM in it as well. So, you know, we wanted to use that connected. My wife has a, a work issue BlackBerry, which doesn't roam and, and can't roam because because of reasons. I don't know. paid for it. Oh, it's beyond me, probably because mm-hmm. the shame of putting it. If you had to put it in the tray in Heathrow as you go through the X-ray right, scanner, exactly. everyone will go, oh, you've got a 10-year-old BlackBerry. Yeah. Oh, I, th- I think so the point is about roaming is bill shock happens at both relatively low levels and high levels. So that when it's six pounds a make, you just go, no way. 
if it's three pounds a day, you might go, okay, but there's still some uncertainty. And I think particularly amongst people who aren't that bothered about it. So it's going to be a really great thing to have this. There are still some limits on it. I mean, I understand there'll be potential for overage charges once you go past 500 megs a month. But I think for the majority of people, that's going to mean a much better life. And basically, they just won't think about it. They'll be able to use data wherever they are in Europe. Yeah, I mean, 500 megs, I kind of ummed and ahed when I heard about that, because you told me about that. I hadn't picked that up in the original uh, understanding. But I think for the moment, it's good enough. Like, it's not for power users, it's not, but it'll do for now, and it'll yeah. clearly increase over time. But, of course, the other thing that's going to happen in that time will be that European agreement whereby, actually, you can buy your data from your local provider. And if you look in your iPhone now, you'll already start to see settings popping up, EU data, which you can turn on. It doesn't do anything at the moment, but what will happen is that the local operators will bid to try and win your business, will offer you different tariffs that you'll be able to buy from them through your handset. And so by the time that this roaming becomes available and becomes an issue that 500 meg isn't enough that will be available and which is all to say which was absolutely fantastic until again one of our hosts kind of sidled up to me and said why are you so excited about this because i was sitting there raving i was reading my news on the mm. handset and I said, why are you so excited said, oh it's amazing we've got to travel to any state in europe and, and not pay roaming and i went what like america I said, no, 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 like you could go anywhere and not pay roaming. I said, yeah, like America. Federal and, Europe isn't here yet. Well, I, I did kind of have a big rant about how we were all different countries and, and he didn't really okay, care fine. very much. But his point was well made, actually, which is in the US, you can travel over all of the mainland US and various islands and Alaska and all those various places and you won't generally pay roaming. Mm. And it is... A geographic area equal, if not larger in size than the I, kind of European. I would European. point out to him that the same companies operate over that geographic area and there's no need for the interconnect agreements and the like. But I suspect that was probably getting a bit too technical. Well, and, and I'm now going to, although on an audio podcast this won't work, I'm now going to give you the face that he gave me when I said those kinds of things, which was just one of, I don't care. And actually most consumers won't care yeah. because they don't actually deal with overseas operators they only pay their home operator and they yeah. just want it all to work and i think that was fair enough so that was amazing absolutely loved that the other thing i loved just fleetingly was i went in starbucks don't like starbucks but i will drink starbucks when i need coffee without thinking about it got my starbucks app out which mm. i use in london scanned it on the scanner walked out of the restaurant he says doing inverted commas and realized hang on a minute I've just paid for a coffee in America on my UK Starbucks card. That's really cool. And it just absolutely worked. We were talking previously as well, and you said like you did that with the Uber app while you were in... Uh, yeah, I was, in, I was in Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. I was, I was astonished to find Uber working in Abu Dhabi in the, the same app, the same account, the same credit card. It just worked. So I finally feel like I'm living in the future because I've got a phone which lets me use all of my data allowance wherever I am in the world kind of you know, for the same price and all the apps and the services on it are absolutely consistent and I can use them with the same retailers, which is just amazing. So I'm very happy. We will come back to the European roaming thing in a future episode, I promise you. Okay, right, and let's move on. Okay, before we talk about Rafe Blanford's journey into Africa. He went to find himself. Come back to see how much of it he still owns, I think, technically. Um, So another piece of news, if you would like to support the 361 podcast, what do I mean if? If you definitely, definitely want to support the 361 podcast, and we've shied away from having too many ads and we've done a little bit of sponsorship and things, but now now is the time, now is the opportunity for you to sponsor the 361 podcast if you'd like to. So we've set up a Patreon account and if you would like to support the 361 podcast by paying a, a few dollars, 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 if you'd like, yep, every time we release an, Not an episode, dollars. I think you can use a variety of, of currencies, but I think Patreon is an American website. Bitcoin. 
I, uh, I don't know is the honest answer. You can support 361 Podcast by supporting us by paying a dollar or two every episode. You can go to 361podcast.com and there's all the details there. I don't know how it works. We'll, we'll, we'll get it. We'll get and it so what's up. the point in doing that? Well, what that does is that helps pay for all of the things that we use to make this show, including all the kit, all of Mark Audio Wrangler's excellent skills as he produces all of this, all of the transcription, all that kind of stuff. It and helps we, contribute toward the goodness. It does. So we totted it up and producing a season of 361 Podcast and all the associated stuff is well it's muchos dineros mm. and so what we'd like to do is if you would like to support us just a little bit you can every time there's an episode and if there's no episodes no money and if there's episodes money I quite like the way that works That's very good. so head to 361 com if you would like to you can donate as little as a dollar an episode so it's really just a token amount but if even 1% of all the people who listen to the show did that there would be enough money to do live events and all manner of extra stuff as we well we could take Blanford I would like to take Blanford to Helsinki Really? Yeah, you yeah, know, I'd like us to do a live broadcast or something. Just from to record the sound of him weeping exactly. outside no, Nokia exactly. house. Yeah, and to like re- relive all the old Nokia. <sighs> yeah, exactly, right? I think that'd be cool. So that's the type of thing that we could do if we had a little bit more funding. It, exactly. Yeah. So if you'd like to, and if you have any questions, of course, you can always drop us an email. Do you get your name and lights if, you, you know, if you're a sponsor? Oh, I think if you sponsor us, we will, from time to time, we'll say thank you to the people that support us through Patreon. Right. Named, do, we can will, we name them? We will name we'll them. We'll put them on a website. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. So you get your name on a website. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Or, or your link. Absolutely, right? links. We'll put all the details of what you get and how often you can donate to us on the website, but it's a small amount. And can I just say, if we can get to like $100, I know we're setting the site's low here, but if we can get to $100, then that will pay for us to have a massage for Blanford performed on the show. That's what you were pitching for last year. Remember, season. I was yeah. trying to get that, and I think, can we agree now that if we exceed $100 in funding, that Blanford will be massaged a back massage or a facial if you want Blanford will, will we have a vote uh, during the show so everyone for that idea yeah, raise your more, hands uh, yeah. that's two. two everybody against the idea one, one. I think so that's motion carried motion carried oh, fantastic news excellent. Yeah. Okay. excellent every month we get about ten to 15,000 listeners globally hmm. so yeah, I say if everybody wanted to give one dollar an episode even a small fraction of those listening wanted to say thank you even for the previous ten seasons it would really help us out and uh, we won't push it anymore you know, but just think about Blanford in audio I mean we could probably take a few pictures you know getting a massage from a, a mobile app order it via the mobile app the more I think about a picture of Rafe Plan for getting a massage, the less inclined I am to donate. So perhaps right, but that, I think a lot of people would want to see that. Wow. Don't hear it. The, Can you imagine the embarrassment, the acute embarrassment, the audio of that? I would pay. There's only one way to find out. Send us your money. <laughs> okay, Ralph Blanford, now, now we've finished begging for people's money. Tell us all about it. You went to Africa. I did. This was for my sister's wedding and got to spend about 10 days in the country, including some time. Which at, country? Just out of interest? In Tanzania. Ah, okay. And for those of us with very poor geography, South Africa's the pointy bit at the bottom. Yep. Where's Tanzania? Tanzania's up and right a bit. Up and right a bit. Excellent. There you go. So it's uh, above Kenya, probably the uh, easiest yep. way to explain it. Spent some time out in what's considered the bush, so the rural area, and some time in Dar es Salaam, which is the biggest city, although not the capital, about 12 million people. So actually... What is the capital? Dodomo. Just checking. I really want to do a beating about the bush gag. I just can't... can't. <laughs> Can't get it in there. Go so, on. Anyways. Uh, and so I wanted to talk about a couple of things. You know, we talk sometimes about the differences between the different markets, but it is very much more pronounced when you go and see it for yourself. But just like in China with Ewan, there's a lot more smartphones than I was kind of expecting, and that's something of relatively recent development. Actually, this year is going to be the first time that there's more smartphones and feature phones in Africa. 
And of course, they're also being used as the primary computing device. And in that sense, very much more important than for us. And actually, mobile has become kind of a backbone of infrastructure development. We've talked about mobile hopping over desktop and laptop computers in Indonesia and places like that before. But what does that really mean? What are people doing on, on mobiles now? Well, they were using it as a kind of education and training tool for access to content. So that was really important. But the thing that caught my eye more than anything else, actually, was mobile payments. This is M-Pesa, and then there's equivalent Tigo Pay, Vodafone Pay, Airtel Pay from all the operators. And essentially, this is a way for people to do both small and large transactions. And it was in the rural areas as much as it was in the urban areas. And actually, it was kind of more important in the rural areas because it was for people who couldn't get to banks very easily, that maybe the bank was two or three days' journey away or they didn't have a bank account at all. Yeah, and to think I complain that it's only open for four hours on a Saturday morning in our local town, so, okay. And, you know, in that sense, pretty amazing to see people paying for basically things like vegetables. It's just a a handful of things, and this typically works. Um, There are apps... I was just about to say, well, I went to Waitrose the other week and paid for vegetables with Apple Pay. Isn't that exactly the same? (laughs) It's a little different, but there's also, you know, person-to-person stuff, but it's send a text message and a a transfer of a currency amount, and actually there's kind of currency sitting in these kind of top-up accounts. Essentially. And so it's literally, literally, it's not literally sitting on the SIM card because that's not possible, but the balance is on the SIM card. It's not like with, I mean, we joke about Apple Pay, but Apple Pay is a link back to my bank cards. Yes. It represents them, but whereas here the money's actually on the mobile account. Isn't yeah, it? it's very much associated with the phone number yeah. or the account effectively. And so that's actually enabled kind of new businesses and small businesses to start up in a way that you know, it wasn't possible before. And we've read all about MPES and we've heard about it, but actually seeing it in action and seeing people paying for stuff and doing quick person-to-person payments, it really brought it home to me. And in a way, you know, we're actually really behind on mobile payments and using our phones as kind of an instrument for doing those kind of financial transfers. Did everybody have a phone? Yeah, uh, as far as I could see. Ubiquitous. It, it was ubiquitous. And actually more than that, one of the local villages I went to had a big phone mast right in the centre of the village. It was run off a generator because there was no electricity supply. But the big news was that electricity supply was coming that month. And so the masts or the poles were in place, ready to uh, deliver the electricity. Telegraph pole appreciation. Even in Africa. Africa. Even yeah. in Africa. He's and, and, they were, and they were very nice. And they were kind did of you appreciate the, the telephone? Cruise. I did. did. I've got some pictures on that I may share in time for this episode. But it was kind of interesting electricity was coming after the mobile phone mast. So how were people charging their cell phones if... Solar panels. There were solar panels. There was also uh, a lot of generators. And including the place that I was staying, you know, the generator was on for four hours a day, basically, and that would be the only time you could charge things and actually, you know, obviously turn lights and things like that on. And you just had to kind of live around it. And honestly, it was kind of hard to imagine doing that day to day. When you're on holiday, you don't really care about those things. But in that sense, quite a, a humbling experience because I think you have to go and see it and experience it for yourself to really truly understand what that means. And even then, you're only touching on it and appreciating it's different. You don't really understand the full implications of that. And so in this environment where people are planning to charge their cell phones every day and it's like where they store their money and everything, were they using apps and smartphones that we would recognise in the same way or are there, or are there like bespoke custom apps specific to that what geography? as well? Sorry, you want data speed as well? It was mostly 2G in the rural area and in the urban area and more, but there was definitely a capacity crunch issue going on in Dar es Salaam, not really surprising yeah. with the kind of the growth there. 
For the most part, it was actually feature phones about, I would say, 60% and then some smartphones, but they were typically older models and they were also the lower end models, as you'd expect. So, so for Lumias. example, there were quite a few Lumias actually, but it was kind of Sony Ericsson phones that Jolt you kind of recognize nine. as being, you know, it was Android, Gingerbread, and some of the older versions. And then very, very few iPhones. You only saw them in Dar es Salaam and it was quite clear it was kind of a very special device and the apps actually it was as much of it was done via text messaging and some of the messaging platforms as actually dedicated apps and in china ewan was seeing local branded handsets that mm. we didn't necessarily recognize but you were mostly seeing brands that you would recognize from europe are you but older devices yeah i mean and that wasn't universally true and you know but the sample not. size is small so yeah. don't necessarily read anything but a lot of samsung devices and a lot of nokia devices and being curious i asked about and the samsung were the cheap devices the nokia devices were regarded as reliable ones but there was definite knowledge about kind of the higher end stuff yeah and they were available with plenty of advertising i mean that's the other thing is there are these shops where you can buy sim cards or get top-ups absolutely everywhere more mobile phone advertising than anything else i saw including tiny shacks on a beach on an island that was quite remote and yet you could still get the top up and partly that was because that mobile payment infrastructure was so embedded in the way that things were done it was kind of essential to be able to go and get a bit more credit because that was part of the way things were done and so people were mostly on prepay or credit type arrangements yes yeah and you said that um you saw this big sort of switch that was going on over towards smartphones were people on dumb phones still able to use all that mobile banking stuff or was that just smartphones yeah no all the mobile payments work regardless because at the basic level they'll just work off sms as they became more advanced yes there are applications available but i think the switch over to smartphones is as much about the fact that those devices are now got so cheap that it's actually quite hard to go out and buy a feature phone and people were concerned about battery life and charging the devices. I wouldn't begin to pretend to be an expert on mobile in Tanzania, but certainly there is the evidence that they are starting to be used a lot more for email, for social networking. So it's actually very much about communication and content. I'm not sure apps have caught on in quite the same way in general. If you Talk about the big urban centres, yes. Yeah. You know, they're more cosmopolitan, inevitably. What about animals? Animals. Mm. This is literally the elephant in the room, is it? Did, well, yeah, we went to Tanzania. What animals did you see? I, I got to see most of the big safari animals. So, you know, oh, having... Uh, they just literally lined them up over the horizon. Let's <laughs> go, got it, got it, got it, need it, got it. <laughs> there weren't any elephants at the wedding, I'm glad to say. But watching uh, a crocodile eat a waterbuck was pretty amazing. And then lions lying oh. in the shade of the jeep. I, I watched you and McLeod eat a hamburger once. That's almost the same. You and eats a hamburger it's considerably more quicker than a crocodile eats a water bucket, it has to be said. Fair enough. Really? What was the most yeah. memorable experience? I think it was probably watching an elephant crossing the river right in front of the boat. And they're such majestic animals. And it's nothing like seeing them in the zoo. You see them in the river. And then seeing just the massive landscapes of the savannah and the grasslands. Whereas in the Refugee River, it's quite a mixed landscape and it was just like being in a nature documentary and it sounds like a cliche but it, it really is and it's once in a lifetime experience i'm gonna get my rafe attenborough impression going here we see an elephant using an old lumia 
<laughs> you must have brought a Lumiere device with you, of course. I did, yes. Uh, a holiday like that, you take loads of pictures, obviously. What did you use? Yeah, did you use your camera? Did you take a real camera? So I did take a real camera yeah. as well. Traitor. Um, mm-hmm. But of course, for those kind of instant capture moments, which happens a lot when you're looking at the wildlife, because they do literally appear from around a tree and disappear again five when seconds you say later. instant capture, do you mean quickly or...? Yeah. I do mean quickly. So I, I thought you meant like, it's got that child! <laughs> I was using a Lumia 830 uh, together with... Uh, oh, that's the one I've got. Uh, and that worked perfectly well. And then a DSLR. But the Lumia lived up to all the challenges of uh, shooting stuff at distance and light. I will say that when you're trying to do a zoom, it doesn't work so well because you've basically got a limit of two or three even with the oversampling on those devices. So that's where a standalone camera really does come into its own. But if you're fortunate enough to have the wildlife walk right past you, my best photos actually came from my camera phone. There we go. Did you get bitten? Well, I don't know, but I did have all the various injections, so I'm quite safe so far from malaria. We should have asked. We should have asked before. Yeah, that's true. Being in the same uh, room. Actually, as although we're lucky though, because Rafe Blanford also has all of those injections before he goes into town to mix with the peasants true, as well. Right. So he's perpetually safe. Honestly. Not normal, isn't it? There we go. Yeah. Okay, look, we should wrap it up because we are, we're going long. As ever, thank you very much for listening. It's lovely to be back. Mm. We've, uh, thank you very much for all the generous uh, emails and tweets initially saying, "Hey, we love the season," and then moving on to, "Are you guys ever going to publish anything ever again?" So yes. Hello, we're back. Thank you for all the kind words and uh, thank you for all the support last season. And uh, we will be back next week. And we want your ideas. What's the best stuff to buy? Yeah, please leave all your suggestions for the smartest home competition, which I thoroughly intend to win. We'll be back next week. Bye bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can comment, subscribe, and catch up with previous episodes at 361podcast.com. If you're an iTunes user, we'd be jolly grateful for a five-star review. There's a link and pictures of how to rate the show at 361podcast.com slash rate. Each review makes it lots easier for new listeners to find us. 